and welcome to Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. I am Michael Ashton. I am the Inflation Guy, and I am your host. And this is the monthly CPI report review. This was the last CPI report of 2021, and uh, that means we will end the year with headline inflation of about 7% and core inflation at 5.5%. Wow. That's obviously a lot higher than I think most anybody had it coming into the year, including me. Uh, I felt like inflation was going to be higher in 2021 and and a fair amount higher, but uh, I didn't expect we would get these kinds of numbers this soon. Going into this month's report, we we knew that that, uh, housing was going to continue to be upward pressure. You know, that's been true for a couple of months now with rents, primary rents and owner's equivalent rent running at a four and a half or 5% annualized pace over the last couple of months. And so, and that's a very slow moving uh, component. So we, we knew that was going to continue to sort of, uh, to add upward pressure to the number. Uh, we also had some suspicion that used cars again and, and new cars uh, were going to continue to be pushing inflation higher. You know, everybody keeps looking for, for used car prices, uh, at least the rate of change, to decline. And it had declined. The year-on-year rate of change had declined a little bit, but it has recently, uh, in, in private surveys, it's actually reached a new high. Uh, but you even found some people saying that used car prices themselves would collapse. So not just the rate of change, but that used car prices, which have spiked higher, would come back down. And I got to tell you, there's there's no evidence to support that. And there's really no reason to think that the price level is going to go back to what it was. I mean, we've permanently changed the amount of money in the system. And that says that the price level for everything, not just used cars, should reach a permanently higher level. So it's not just about rate of change here when you're talking about the quantity of money. You're also you're talking about the the level of the price index as well. And so, but there's also nothing about the dynamics in the used car market that suggests that all of a sudden prices are going to drop 20%. Uh, they may drop a little bit, um, but after you know crises in the recent couple of decades, every time we've had uh, some kind of crisis after the global financial crisis, for example, used car prices decline a little bit, but they don't, they don't plunge. And there's nothing temporary about what's happening here. So, so used cars did, in fact, uh, add something. Um, but sort of the big question going in that I had was, you know, the disturbing piece of the last few months' numbers has been that that it wasn't just outliers, that that there was this breadth to inflation and and that was was what was really disturbing. And so what I wanted to see was, hey, is this number still uh, as broad as the numbers had been recently? Now, there are some some kind of good signs for price pressures going forward. Trucking rates have come down a little bit. Shipping rates have come down a little bit. And, and because you know, those are mostly goods things, right? You don't ship services. Um, but service providers do buy goods, so there is some knock-on effect. 
But in general, but we, we do have core goods prices rising in this report, rising at faster than a 10% annualized pace. A lot of that is cars, but but it's, it's things beyond cars. And when shipping rates come off, uh, sometimes that's a leading indicator of what's going to be happening to, to core inflation and core goods inflation. Not always, but that's at least, you know, if you need to look for good news uh, going into this figure, that's some good news. Uh, there's some bad news as well, and that's that with this level of unemployment, uh, you would expect to see acceleration in wages over the next six to nine months. Um, you know, wage increases, uh, I think, will probably accelerate another 1% at least over the next six to nine months. That's obviously not bad for for wage earners. Uh, and And inflation itself does not get pushed by wages. But when wages do go up, it does sort of add some momentum to the inflation process, which is to say that, that uh, you know, if there is a mean reversion component to inflation to the extent that, that wages are rising, you know, which is a slower moving input, I guess, um, you don't have, tend to have as much mean reversion. Um, so, so there's that. There's also been recently... Uh, some more signs of a shutdown, an Omicron-related shutdowns in China, which, remember back in 2020, uh, early 2020, even before we started shutting down, uh, China had, and that was already starting to lead, you know, it's a supply shock. Um, and so, you know, there's the possibility that, that could lead to something more serious. Um, and, and, and again, getting back to the breadth, anecdotally, you're starting to see inflation price adjustments happening in a lot more businesses. It's sort of getting more into the, the, uh, the, the thought process, the normal thought process of, of consumers and, and suppliers alike. Um, you know, I, I work with, with some industrial concerns and, um, and, and you, you see where you used to see the suppliers uh, very apologetic when they would have to raise prices, that's gone. And and price increases come in over the transom and it is what it is. And you're seeing that at the consumer level as well. You know, you the, the uh, restaurant changes its prices. There's no apology about it. They might explain that it has to do with having trouble finding workers or what have you, but people are taking it. And that's Part of the problem here is that you you know if you get into this inflationary mindset, it gets very hard to re-anchor it. Now I don't necessarily think anchored inflation expectations drive inflation all that much, but it does uh, it does influence whether or not the inflation process has sort of a mean around one and a half or two, or whether it has a mean around three and a half or four. It does change sort of what where that distribution ends up playing. Um, itself. Um, so, as I said, core goods inflation in this number is still over 10%, or, or now over 10%. Core services inflation is almost 4%. Um, core services, obviously, you know, there's no supply chain uh, concerns with, with services. And so, you know, that going up to 4% is, um, that's historically been kind of the upper end for the last couple of decades has been around 4%. So we need to keep an eye on that. Three quarters of the consumption basket is still inflating faster than three percent, um, but 
you should get used to the following phrase, which you're going to see more and more over the next couple of months. But economists expect inflation to moderate in the months ahead. You're going to see that phrase in all kinds of, of press. Anyone who's talking about inflation is going to throw that in there because thanks to base effects, <clears throat> which is to say, you know, last April, May, June were very high prints. Once we get into April, May, and June, the year-on-year -year inflation figures are going to go down. And so you don't have to be a great prognosticator to say that inflation is going to peak in, in the first quarter. That doesn't mean that inflationary pressures are peaking. It just means that mechanically, we know because of base effects that it's going to come down a little bit. That's, uh, that, that makes economists look like they know what they're doing, but really that's just math. And so that's not super surprising in the same way that we knew that we were going to get an acceleration uh, early part of last year when we dropped off the bad early COVID numbers from 2020. Um, we knew we were going to get, get, get some acceleration. We got much more than we had bargained for, but, but we knew we were going to get something in the same way we know that we're going to get something of a uh, of an ebb here over going into the middle of the year. But it's not going to be dramatic, and we're not going to go back to 2% on core. With shelter pushing 5%, which is what it has done over the last three months or so, 4, four or 5% is what we're getting out of the shelter numbers. Um, and, and shelter being a, a third of core, you're not going to see core inflation back down to 2% very soon. And so I think we end up 2022 around 4% on, on core inflation. And that could be as low as 3.5% or it could be as high as 5 uh, or even a little bit higher than that. But, I, but that's sort of the zone that we're in here. And, and while shelter remains uh, tight, while the housing market remains tight and prices keep rising, um, and uh, then we're going, that's, what, that's going to tend to hold up overall inflation. And so we, we need to get used to that. What about 2023? Well, then we get into what the Fed is going to do. And the Fed right now is still purchasing bonds. They're still adding more reserves into the system. And they're decreasing the pace at which, you know, they're decreasing their purchases, but they're still easing. And they're talking about how they're going to raise interest rates uh, and, and maybe someday they're going to shrink the balance sheet. And they're in a bit of a pickle because they labored for so long under the inflation is transitory story, which was wrong. Um, and by the way, they, they should have known it was wrong. You know, it, the natural consequences of massive fiscal stimulus financed by massive monetary stimulus is obviously inflation. If you're at the central bank and you didn't anticipate this, then you really shouldn't be at the central bank, but I digress. Um, and, but so the FOMC is, is behind the curve, and they need to catch up and get ahead of the process. Um, but all the Fed is doing is, you know, they're saying, well, we're going to tighten. Someday we're going to, to uh, ease, you know, uh, shrink the balance sheet. But listen to the tone. Listen to Powell speaking. And everything they're saying is that, you know, we're going to do this, but we're going to be gradual. We're going to be gradual. You know, a few hikes this year, maybe up to four hikes this year. You know, that's, that's short rates at 1%, folks. So, you know, we're not exactly, you know, catching up with inflation there. Maybe we'll eventually think about shrinking the balance sheet. Please don't panic. Please don't panic. Please don't panic. Because if, if 
interest rates go up, that means that stocks are going to go down. It, it, it doesn't guarantee stocks will go down, of course, but higher discount rates are really, really, really powerful things and it will affect the value of equities. And so, and if that happens, if long rates, say, go to 4% and equities drop 30%, then the Fed's in a real pickle because it's going to, they should ignore asset prices, but they don't and they won't and they haven't. And, and so then they'll be in a situation where you've got inflation at 4% or whatever, and you have asset prices down a ton. Not at all clear to me that, you know, they, they stay the course there. You know, when you think back to, to Volcker, you know, he wasn't afraid to, to break some eggs, you know, and, and tightening, you know, being on the, on the tightening side of monetary policy is no fun. Just like laying off workers is not fun. It's always fun to hire workers. It really sucks to lay off workers. It's no fun, but that's part of the cycle. And, and similarly, if you're a central banker, easing is so much fun. Everyone loves you, and tightening is not any, any fun. Um, but I don't see anybody at the Fed who is made of the stern stuff that, that used to be seen regularly in central banking circles, but certainly back in the Volcker days. You know, Volcker understood it was better to break some eggs now than to be unable to afford eggs tomorrow. And so when we think about inflation at in 2023, 2024, 2025, the question is, what's the Fed going to do? And I think that there really is a, a very difficult corner that the Federal Reserve has put themselves into where they will have to choose at some point between letting markets adjust to much lower, lower prices uh, and higher interest rates um, or having higher inflation and persistently higher inflation. Um, as long as the persistently higher inflation is 4 or 5%, I, I, I sort of think that that's what the Fed will choose. I don't think, I think that the Fed would love to have 2% inflation, but not if it means stocks go down 30%. Um, stocks may go down 30% anyway, but, um, but I do think that when it, when it comes to that decision, when that does happen, I think for the Federal Reserve to stay uh, aggressive and tightening and shrinking the balance sheet will be very, very politically difficult for them to do. Right now, inflation is at five and a half percent, and it's it's going to be running at at some pace like that for the next. Well, we're we're going to see the the annual numbers go up, but you're going to see that kind of monthly pace, you know, point. 0.5% 0.5% on core is what you're going to see now for for at least at least a few months now. That's all for this edition of the podcast. You can contact me at inflationguy at enduringinvestments.com. Uh, you can follow my blog at mikeashton.wordpress.com. You should visit Enduring Investments if you're curious, curious what I do when I'm not doing a podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at inflation underscore guy because uh, inflation guy is everywhere. He's the uh, he's not exactly the king of all media, but, you know, eh, I'm trying to get to all of the media. And I appreciate you tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. I always admonish, defend your money. If inflation is coming for you, remember... You know a guy.